Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every episode of the hit 90s TV series, Melrose Place. My name is Dan Hill. And my name is Jennifer Hill. Let's get started, folks. Episode 9, Dr. Jekyll Saves His Hide, air date November 6th, 1994. Yes. Wow. Emphatically, yes. Love it. The so, so good. You all told us we were going to like this one. You were right. You were freaking right. So we, we get the answer to our question from last week's episode. Jake and Sydney did it. They hooked up. It's the next day. Sydney is rolling out of Jake's bed. She's trying to slink away, get dressed without Jake noticing. But he wakes up. Of course Jake wakes up because he's a superhero. And he's like, what are you trying to say goodbye? You're not even going to say goodbye? You want some coffee? And she's like, you know, Jake, thanks for everything, but I'm going to be on my way. And he's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And she's like, nothing. You were wonderful. You were great. I just- why, why does everyone always make it a point to let their partner know how great they were in bed? I don't know. And then she... Have you ever done that? No. Just like when you were with someone like... Wow. Like you were great. You know, like I guess I'll take that back. There are some times when it's like, whoa, like you really rock my world, but it's just I don't know. It just seems like it happens so often in Melrose Place. Yeah, it's because it's all casual, so they have to say stuff like, You were good. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) I liked that. Take care. But obviously she's lying because she's like, I got a lot of stuff to do and um, you know, I'll just, I'll see at shooters, but like Jake's your boss. You don't have a lot of stuff to do because everyone hates you. And yeah. So Sydney's on her way out just in time for Jane to see her do the walk of shame out of Jake's apartment. Jane sets the tone for this episode. Oh, and I gotta love how Jane comes at Sydney. She's like, you little bitch, <laughs> you little bitch. Now I know what's going on. You're banging Jake, and that's why he thinks you've got him brainwashed, wrapped around the finger, and that's why he's going after Chris so damn hard. Yeah, you get Jake to do your dirty work, and then you repay him in your own little fashion. Sydney and Jane fights are the best. Yeah, they're pretty good. They have great chemistry. They always go back and forth, and they they do, like, I don't know if this is called this in acting, but they always, like, climb the ladder. It's all like they raise the stakes. Yeah, it's like, well, you do this. Well, you do this. Well, you do this. Well, you do this. Well, fuck you. And throw you in the pool. You know, we really do get a taste of that with Sydney where she says, you know what, Jane? I hope that you find out the truth about your little lover boy after you've given him your whole heart, after you totally trust him and you're going to put your tender little heart in his slimy little hand and he is going to crush it. Mm. And she also says, 
Jake is the only decent man I've ever met. Ever. In the history of and her he's life. Met a lot of men. None of them decent. Yeah. Jake's the best. Jake, I mean, I don't blame her. I really don't blame and her. Can we please talk about her pants? Because they are freaking awesome. She did have nice pants. I love them. Very nice pants. So this this sets the bar. We get the opening credits, and we are immediately welcomed into the Melrose Place world with a aerial shot of of Los Angeles. Ooh. Then uh, we got a fake ass Foo Fighters song. Playing. Yeah, it sounded so much like Foo Fighters. This one was trash. I didn't even write the lyrics down for this one. And a lot of recycled establishing shots that we've seen many times before. Yeah, the paper throwing. I mean, who could forget that stack of papers being delivered to like one of those corner <laughs> newspaper stands? The garbage truck. We love that garbage truck going across the screen at Melrose Place. And Dan, did you notice? This Same time I did. three extras. Yeah, homie they in use, the blue sweater, yellow shirt, they walking use a bike. This freaking shot all the time. They love it. Either these three guys like walk through Melrose Place on a daily basis wearing the same exact clothes. Or they're just using the same shot over same and over shot. again. It's definitely the same shot. So now we head into Allison's place, and Susan is packing up. She is ready to leave, and my note is she has no idea how much pain this was going to cause. Right. So Susan is going to stay with her aunt in Newport Beach. She feels that this is the only way that she can salvage her friendship with Allison and kind of let Billy off kind of easy where, you know, the distance will probably put a wedge between the two of them. And the funny thing that, like, to note for people that may not be very familiar with, like, Newport Beach to where... LA is, it's really only like 30 miles away. Right. But it but takes a billion it years. It takes to get like there. over two hours to get there. So it is kind of like you're living in a different state. Right. But I mean, Susan, how dumb can you be? You didn't know how much pain it but would then, cause man. to date your best friend's ex fiance. Now, okay, I. I know I'm with you. I understand where you're coming from. But what really threw me for a loop was when Allison was like, oh, no, Susan, I said some things I really regretted. I got really mean. I had a little bit too much to drink. Your friendship means so much to me. And I don't want you to end up resenting me if I squash this little budding romance between you and Billy. I think you should still live here and you should pursue this relationship with him. Yeah, she wants her to stay. It's weird. That is the craziest thing I have ever heard. What is going through Allison's mind? I could only think it's she's doing the whole like keep your friends close, enemies closer, or she just feels so guilty for being a lush at the bar and like going going off on her that she has to overly apologize. It was so well deserved though. I mean, this is that was an egregious thing that you can do to someone that you call like a best friend. Yeah, but she probably was blacked out. And then the next day, Susan was like, you said some fucking terrible shit Well, you know what, Susan? You're a bitch, okay? So (laughs) you deserved it. But anyway, I was really taken aback by that. But she does mention that... She says that 
she can't come in between anyone Billy likes anymore. Right. And she was like, so, and, and Susan asks, are you still in love with him? And she was like, look, we started out as friends and then we became best friends. And then that grew into a relationship. I can't honestly tell you that I wanted to marry Billy, but I'll always have love for him. And one thing I want you to know is that once you scratch the surface, he's pretty annoying. So she, that's like direct quote. Agree. And she's like, I think that you'll find after getting to know him a little better that he's going to get on your nerves and you're not even going to like him. So, I mean. I, and she said he requires care and feeding. What is he, a plant? I know. I think it's... Give him some sunlight. Like, Allison wants to be the good guy here, maybe, and she's thinking that if she gives them her blessing, that things are just going to fall apart and it's not going to get serious and she can still retain her best friend and then maybe have a shot with Billy later on. I don't know. Maybe that's why she said all that. And we leave this scene with Susan promising not to sneak around with Billy anymore. Okay. So next up, we have Michael Mancini paying a visit to Amanda at D&D. Strolling in. Weird, weird two characters to see like on a one-on-one. Yeah. These guys rarely ever get together. So whenever they're, they are together, you know they're scheming some there's kind a, of a there's plot. There's a concoction going. So he says, I'll get right to the point. I lost my job. And then he, he calls Kimberly Kim. I was like, you had never called her Kim. <laughs> he has, he d- does that a lot throughout this episode, actually. Yeah, he's like, Kim and I went to Vegas and got married. And, and, um, and then he, he basically thinks that it's possible that Amanda could get him his job back at Wilshire Memorial. And I love how Amanda plays this. She's like, you know, I don't know what you've heard through the grapevine, but I can assure you my relationship with Dr. Burns has been greatly exaggerated. I don't have that kind of influence over him. I don't know why you're coming to me with this request. And then Michael fires back with, come on, Amanda, you and I both know that you could get a Tibetan monk to strip naked and dance the hoochie coochie if you wanted to bad enough. Best lines ever. Which is <laughs> true he gets the best lines whoever's writing for michael is really hooking him up right so so funny man michael knows how amanda operates and he realizes that he can't come in with that kind of a request without having something for amanda he knows okay well what's in it for you what could i do for you that you might want and that's when amanda says well I will take your share of Jane Mancini designs. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I can't. I don't really know. Uh, Let me think about it. And then Amanda says some interesting things here. She's like, come on. Right now, the business is barely breaking even. That's not true. How does Amanda have any idea if, if Mancini designs is breaking even or not? How well, is she privy to that information? I think it's just a testament of how much of a side talker she is, how much she just like talks shit and she has no, nothing to back it up. Yeah, she only knows that Jane over overspent at first. And she only says what she thinks is going to produce the best results. So maybe that was just a tactic to try to get Michael to say, well, yeah, what's it worth to you? It's not even that great of a venture anyway. You may as well let it go. 
And then she says, well, look, that's the offer that's on the table. Sleep on it if you want. But Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the only way I'm going to do this for you. So Michael goes away to think about it. And we go to the bar. Shooters. The only bar in town. Shooters. I don't know why we became... Sydney got quadruple sat and she's busy as hell. Uh, Do you remember those days? Getting quadruple sat. Triple sat was bad. Quadruple sat was kill me. So here's here's how this goes, guys. If you're not involved in the restaurant industry, uh, when you have a server, when you're a server, you have a section, and that section is maybe a smallest three tables, largest five. Oh my god, it could be bigger than that. I get, yeah, if I worked at, like, at restaurants where yeah, you yeah, were yeah. working, where we had like seriously ten tables in a section. Okay, well, I think an average restaurant you could have like three to three to five tables. Was that fair? I think I would say yes, that's fair at an average restaurant. Okay, so normally you get sat with a table, you get that table drinks, then uh, that you get their order. Then you get sat again, and the, the first table you had is already taken care of. When you've gotten quadruple sat, it sucks because you have to do everything. Everyone's on the same step. So it's and even it takes harder as a server. way longer. Like if you've got a couple like... A three top, a two top, a six top, and like a five top, and you, you got to get everyone drinks. Yeah, ah, it makes, kill me. It makes all the steps longer. So instead of saying hello to your first table and then getting their drinks, you say hello to every table, and then you'll end up having to get everybody's drinks. And the last, the first table is always going to think you you're very very slow. And I think the reason why we're delving into this so far is because of yeah. what Jake. <laughs> does yeah so okay the owner of the fucking bar (laughs) so anyway sydney is like rushing around she's in the weeds jake comes up and he's like hey sydney i need to talk to you and she's like jake i just got four tables i just got four tables i'm really busy and he's like you just went on break (laughs) what (laughs) who's taking care of those four tables yeah that is terrible i hear that and my brain is like oh my god who's getting the drinks yeah i got stressed out (laughs) (laughs) it's like they're gonna be mad your tips are really gonna go we have not waited tables in several years but it's just something that sticks with you like it's something that like i remember that anxiety that craziness it's like you gotta handle it man so bad i mean well we always said jake's not really a businessman yeah, not so. not worried about making customers happy, about providing good service. And so Sydney is being very reasonable this entire episode. I think she's really thinking clearly. She says to Jake, look, please don't misunderstand me. I really appreciate everything that you've done to me. This job means so much to me, but I think it's best that we both forget last night ever happened and we just go on about our merry ways. And Jake, he, every superhero has a a flaw, you know, everyone has, everybody has their like vice and and Jake's, besides not wanting to make money, what's Jake's? Jake's is catching feelings. And like, always wanting to be like the knight in shining armor. Yeah. And he, he just always wants like to be booed up and like with a girl. He can't just have but a he, one night stand. And he has to be like needed and wanted yeah. by that girl. So he's like, I think we should talk. I think we should like 
like share feelings. And she's like, look, like, we Jake. had we like slept together one yeah. night. Like Jake, remember I used to be a prostitute. <laughs> like I, not, and j- uh, she said that was three weeks ago. Like I used to do this shit for money. <laughs> like she was a prostitute three weeks ago, but not saying. Was she ask so it doesn't matter if she was a prostitute. I don't want to. Oh God! Of course, yes. All right, prostitutes can have. Love and regular relationships. Thank you. Too. I just don't want to to marginalize people that have to do that or in that position. I'm just saying. Okay. She does. She's done it I for hear money. Ya. I hear you. This was a freebie. <laughs> it was a freebie. So next up, we are with Amanda, and she is visiting Jane Mancini Designs, and she's looking around. She's kind of taking it all in because, from her perspective, she's like, "Hmm, I could own half of this, and this could be my new business venture." And Jane is surprised to see her. Oh, this is a great line you're working on, Jane says Amanda. And she wants to know what would it be worth to get Michael out of the business completely. And Jane's like, "What are you cooking up?" She's like, okay, What's coming from you, Amanda, you're the one that got Michael in the business in the first place. So if you think that I'm going to come to you for business advice a second time, you got another thing coming. But I love Amanda. Gotta love. She's always got a trick up her sleeve, always got that comeback. And she says, oh, well, if I remember correctly, you were on the verge of bankruptcy. And if it wasn't for me getting Michael into this whole situation, you wouldn't even have this business in the first place. And And Jane's Jane's like, like, she recognizes that. And she says, actually, you know what? You're right. What's up? And she's like, look, I, I think I can get Michael out of this. I think I can talk him into it. And Jane is like, wait, what? This is coming out of left field. What do you want in return? And she's like, look, I'd be willing, Amanda, to give you part of my share of the business if you could pull that off. And I thought that this meant that Jane... So I thought that this would mean that Amanda would, one, get all of Michael's take and then a piece of Jane's and then be majority owner of Mancini Designs. And, you know, Dan, I think that you were onto something there. I think that that was her little scheme. That's what she was cooking up. Mm-hmm. And Jane, of course, has no idea about Amanda's conversation with Michael. Right. And what she stands to gain from having Michael relinquishing Cause his she, share. Because Jane probably perceives it as Amanda saying, I'll get Michael out and return those to you. Right. But Michael is saying, I'll give those to you, Amanda. Right. So, so this little plan is set into motion. Yeah. And we go to the next scene, which is with Susan and Billy. And I want, I want everyone to know, if this is the first Melrose Place podcast you're listening to, we don't really say designs like designs. <laughs> I want, I Why want do be, you feel like we have to mention that? I want to be uh, absolutely clear that we're making fun of the way Jane speaks. Hey, if they the don't show. know that now... They should leave right I'm now. Saying some people take. They should leave right now. Some if you people don't take know. a podcast and they just hit the the newest app. You know, they jump right in. But and I say that I say that because um, when people call me at work, like like internally, yeah, I always pick up the phone and I like it's a joke to me, but I don't know if anyone knows that because that's how I always pick up the phone. Wait, what? 
what are you talking about? How do you pick up the phone? Like I pick up the phone, I go yellow. <laughs> like you know, yeah, like a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you know, like somebody like like you're trying to be ironic. Like and somebody think that at a newsstand are gonna like know that you're being funny. But like if somebody, someone you didn't know is like, God, that guy just answered the phone by saying yellow. I want to freaking. Kick my no, own it'll, ass. it'll be like an internal, like no, within the I company. I'm like you. yellow, yellow, you know, yep. like that. And then I'm like, wait, I always do that. So does does anyone know I'm joking, or, or is that just that how I answer the phone? Maybe that's just how you. I answer think that the might phone. be just how oh I answer the God, phone. We have cracked the code, Dan. But, but now it's like, are we just? <laughs> do we just say designs? These people, like, we might get a review that's like they say designs, and it's weird. <laughs> Anywho. Well, I'm open to morphing my dialect. It's okay. I love that design. Okay, so next up, we are with Susan and Billy at Billy's Place. And they're just kind of like... They're happy they can stop lying. Yeah, yeah, the fact that they don't have to spare Allison's feelings anymore. And they have a really freaking weird exchange here. Yeah, Susan basically asks Billy, like, how do you feel about me? And Billy looks at her and he says, well, you know. No, he's like, (laughs) well, you're, you know, what I mean is. um, Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, I do know what you mean. Oh, my God. So are they like. Are they star-crossed lovers where they're, like, such losers that they can, like, read each other's minds? Because I had no idea what the hell Billy was trying to convey there. Billy's back to his seven-year-old ways. No He's like idea. little Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just ask Dad? <laughs> Get him to pay for the car. <laughs> oh, man, I miss Fucking Martin. Throwback. <laughs> Why can't we get Martin back on the show? (laughs) So for a change, Billy is actually cooking for Susan. And he's like, here, Susan, try my sauce. Oh, (laughs) And man, I would never want to be in that position. For fuck's sake. She takes a bite and it's very evident immediately that it sucks. And she's like, um, well, it uh, needs a little tweaking. And then she shakes three things into it and now it's good. It's like, and then they have a spaghetti sauce kiss. Yeah, and he's like, "Mm, beats the hell out of moms. And then they just start making out. Yeah, and they both, I'm sure, have like spaghetti sauce on their tongues. (laughs) This made me want to fucking barf. Yeah, I am so glad we're not Billy and Susan. Yeah. Yeah, when when we kiss, we make sure... We don't have anything in our mouths. Okay. So <laughs> we we see Jane coming home from a long day of work. Allison's right behind her. They meet at like the little male vestibule where they get their their mail. Yeah. <laughs> and they're both kind of like comparing notes on the day. It's a hell of a day. It's been crazy. I'm going to go relax. So Jane goes back to her apartment and then Allison hears some noises Floating down from an upstairs apartment. And I thought this was like a domestic violence dispute. They're like wrestling. Well, Allison looks up into Billy's window and she sees 
the um, the figures of Billy and Susan like horsing around, <laughs> playfully like <laughs> playing with each other and like hitting each other and like tackling each other. And you can see like Allison's like whole demeanor is like she's like <laughs> I need to guzzle a fifth of vodka immediately. Yeah. You even said you were like she's going for the bottle. Oh hell yeah! The so um, immediately she walks into her apartment and then gets vodka out of the freezer and just pours it into a glass straight up. And she always drinks it. She takes a little sip and then she goes, oh. every time like she's like. In, in, in season one or two She always cough in, Yeah, in season one or two she'd cough Yeah, she'd you were like, always oh, like, oh, get oh, ready for the cough, get ready for the cough Yeah, but now it just goes down smooth So she pours herself a little more Goes to the window so that she can see it and hear it And just like drinks the pain away Yeah, she does this like voyeur bit Where it's like she's in a dark apartment She has the blinds open The moonlight is streaming in As she peers in between the slats of the blinds To see what her heart can't take And she just wants she Like she wants to look at it While she drinks So that she can measure the drinks To like, does this still hurt? And then when it doesn't, she like she knows. And she even like lifts her glass up and just says, "Cheers." <laughs> so next up, we're with Matt. Dan, Matt's back. Holy shit, Matt's Matt, on the show. Matt has an actual scene where he's not just playing like some guy. Like, are you okay? Here, let me get yeah. you a piece of paper. And like, they got him out of the office and Melrose Place. Yeah, guys. We have Matt. He's back. He's jogging. He's running in like a weird dress shirt. Really? I didn't pay it's attention. Like a, it's like a red shirt that's collared and has buttons. Oh. So I'm like. That 90s athletic wear. Yeah. Like what is Very this? versatile. Take so it he, to the office. He's running. And as he's running, he sees another gentleman in sweatpants. I think they're purple. And like purple, you sweat. really took note of the wardrobe. Yeah, I'm like, what scene? the fuck? <laughs> Who has this purple well, sweats? The thing that w- that I could tell, like as soon as we saw the back of this guy, like I knew immediately it's Jeffrey. Jeffrey is back. If you don't remember, Jeffrey was a fine young sailor who met Matt at a restaurant, and they went on. They had a grilling date. Oh, at Jeffrey's house, yeah. At Jeffrey's house, and they hit it off, and they went to a hockey game. Oh, yeah. And they had a lot of problems. Matt actually helped Jeffrey, like, come out. Right, he came out to his dad, he came out to his... He worked for the Navy, right? And he came out to, like, his superiors at the Navy. And Matt was actually, like... Matt kind of, like, ruined his life. Yeah, Matt, Matt, like, (laughs) pushed him to do this before he was ready, but... Um, and as a result, he had to quit the Navy. <laughs> no, no, he, he was he, <laughs> Jeffrey at that point got relocated overseas. And he even he talks to Matt like Matt comes up to him. He's like, Jeffrey, what are you doing here? And Jeffrey's, and Jeffrey's like, like, oh, my ah, gosh. I'm just shooting hoops. What? Like, yeah, just play basketball. Yeah. What are you doing? And, and then, of course, Matt's, Matt's like, like, you never called, asshole. Um, you're supposed to be like overseas at some like faraway place. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I uh, quit the, I resigned. Yeah. They, they kept shipping me ago. around from station to station. So I got out. And then Matt's like, well, dude, you could have called me. We thought we had something. 
I was kind of in love with you. And <laughs> Jeffrey was like, we did have something special. And he says, look, and I can, I can understand Jeffrey's point of view here. He's like, when I came out, I was a pariah. And I was being shipped to different post to post. I was going all over to these like shitty places that nobody wanted. And it really took a toll on my life. And I just decided I'm done with it. And I got out. Yeah. And I just wanted, I was really meaning to call you, I promise. Like, I really wanted to get back in touch with you. He's like, well, how long have you been here? Three months. Yeah, I think he said six <laughs> months. He was like, well, the last time I heard from you was six months ago when I got a postcard from Guam. <laughs> so he's out and he's like, come on, let's, let's just have dinner. I'm sorry about all that. And they have a nice little sweaty embrace. Yeah, so they have plans for later that evening, and there could be a reconnection of love for Jeffrey and Matt. Now we go to a lawyer's office, and Joe is the odd man out of this episode. Yeah, we hardly get to see Joe Joe anymore. And, you know, this storyline has kind of been neglected in the last few episodes. Like, the Carters are still coming for Joe's baby. Yeah. So Joe is in this dark lawyer's office looking like Wednesday Adams. I know! What was up <laughs> with that outfit? It's like a black dress with, like, doilies hanging out. And, like, out. white collar and, like, white wrist yeah. cuffs. <laughs> What's going on, Joe? You used to wear, like, black cloaks and, like, ride bikes and be cool and, like, carry a gun in your purse. Who's saying Wednesday Adams isn't cool? Mmm... Me. <laughs> I'm saying it. She's a Wednesday Adams is a child. So the lawyer wants to know does Joe have any friends or people in her life that could serve as character witnesses? Do any of those friends have kids? She's like, no, I have a lot of people that live in my apartment building that I'm friends with that can vouch for me. We're an elect an eclectic group of singles, as she says. Right. And the lawyer promise her, promises her that they're going to do everything they can to keep that baby. Great. I hate it when people promise stuff like that. That they can't deliver on? Like, I'm going to do everything I can. Well, yeah, that's why I'm fucking paying you, lawyers. That's the whole point. <laughs> were, you, were you not going to do that up until this point? Come on. So let's go to D&D. Michael comes back to Amanda and he agrees to give Amanda his portion of Mancini Designs if she can get him back on at Wilshire Memorial. Right. And he says that Mancini D- Designs was a <laughs> lark. And he wants to know, Amanda, what makes you think that Peter's going to listen to you and rehire me? As you said, I usually get what I want. Right, and she basically says that she could get Peter Burns to do anything she wanted based on his total infatuation with her. And whenever what she wants, she gets. And then she also goes on to say, when God was doling out business sense, Jane was still at the back of the line getting her nails done. Mm. So she's got to deal with Jane. She's going to go to... To Peter and work it all out, and Michael is very pleased to hear this news. And he adds, make him beg for it. And then Amanda's like, I always do. Like, beg for what? (laughs) Please, please, let me get Michael's job. Please, please, Michael, come back and work for me at (laughs) Wilshire Memorial. Oh, my God. 
we have Jane and Chris in this next scene. And contrary to what Amanda was telling Michael earlier about the status of the company, Jane Mancini Designs is doing really well. Looks like we can expand the business by next quarter. Right. <laughs> I love your uh, your impression. It's really morphing. Thank you. Um, so they're, they're very excited about this. And Chris tells Jane that he really feels awful about how Sydney and Jake could have misconstrued this whole situation. It's all a misunderstanding. And he wants to make it a point to go to shooters and apologize to them and just start anew. This isn't a good idea. Bro, you, you, like, of all people, he knows he attempted rape on Sydney. He punched her in the face and she fell onto a pool table and then he ripped her shirt open. And this was not undone until he, she hit him with a pool cue. Right. And I kept asking myself, what the hell does Chris have to gain from this? But then I'm reminded he is a man that lives on the edge. He loves danger. He loves that thrill. Yeah. He's a thrill seeker and he wants to like stir up shit like that gets him going. Yeah. That really grinds his gears. So Jane's like, okay, I think that's probably a good idea. <laughs> and we go to D&D. We learned from Amanda that there is this new software account that D&D is trying to land. And they're trying to woo this account by throwing them a big cocktail reception tomorrow. So and Amanda's like, we need a caterer. We need a bartender. We need food. And Billy immediately is like, Susan can cook. <laughs> I think I think Susan is, needs can do food. <laughs> so of course, uh, Amanda, I think sensing the love triangle that's great blooming, <laughs> she's like she perks up and she's like that is perfect. Yes, please bring Susan. And, and then uh, Billy looks at a man, Allison and is like, you don't mind, do you? And Allison has to like feign. Oh, of course. I was going to bring Susan up first anyway. She's a great cook. She'd be the perfect fit for this. And so Amanda thinks it's all good and done and walks away. And then Allison takes a dig at Billy and she just says, Susan and I have been friends for 10 years and will stay friends long after your little flirtation. So, again, another indication that Allison firmly believes that once Susan has the opportunity to get to know Billy, she's going to go running for the hills. Yep. Now, Chris and Jane, they take to Chris's horrible plan and walk into shooters. And Jake sees them and he tells Sydney, like, don't worry about this. I'm going to send, like, whoever, like, Megan or whatever. I'm going to get Kathy to take yeah. this one. Kathy's going to take the table, and he goes over to him, and he's like, hey, why don't you and Crocodile Dundee find another bar? <laughs> they love finding, like, these Australian slurs and, and digs. They're really racist against Australians. <laughs> they, they really are. Like, I don't think anyone has ever, like gotten on people's nationality more like no one said this shit to katia hey 
you little Russian Well, Katya bitch. wasn't an insane rapist. <laughs> True. Okay, so um, that's when Chris kind of tries to extend the olive branch. He's like, we're here in peace. We want to patch things up with you and Sydney. We feel really awful about how everything has kind of gone down. Just one drink. Yeah, so Jake agrees to this, and he's like, look, you can have one drink here. That's it. And so he tells Sydney that Kathy's going to take the table, and then Chris is like, Jane, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> And I thought he said, I have to go to the bathroom for an hour. <laughs> what? I was like, what? An hour? That's like your time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that can't be right. Does he have a dairy problem? <laughs> so he's sneaking off. And it's not like Sydney is like not within like an eye line of the table. Like yeah. She's right there. If Jane were to have watched Chris walk the seven steps away from where they were seated, she could have seen him whisper into Sydney's ear. Yeah. Diddling the boss, are we? Oh, that's a good way to stay out of the loony bin. Diddling. That sounds so <laughs> dirty. <laughs> and God love her. Sydney turns around and just starts screaming and throwing beer bottles at Chris's head. Yeah, Thank smashes goodness. it on the wall. Yeah. And then Jake, he immediately like jumps the bar and he's like, all right. You guys are out of here. Comes it's done. Comes to Sid's defense and kicks him out. And then, of course, Chris is like, I didn't do anything. This is not my fault. She just went crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, shut up. He's like, get I don't here. care. He's like, I don't care. You guys got to get out. And Jane immediately is like, she has just got you brainwashed, Jake. You have no idea the sicko you're dealing with. And then Jake says, that's funny. I was about to say the same thing to you. Ooh. Sick burn. So Jane and Jake are not friends. Nope, not anymore. They're just not friends. So we get to go to Peter's fucking like mansion. Palatial Beverly Hills. Top God damn, of bro. The view of LA. Gorgeous. He's crushing Apart- it. I won't even say apartment. It's like a freaking house. This has to be the set where um, Sydney's like whore party. Oh, it's more grand than that. It's nuts. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So he's got like, you know, the the music's playing. The view is just like out there on display. They're out on the balcony. He's in these like bergen, like sand red like pants and he's showing off his automated chessboard yeah oh ooh. Ooh, nice electronic chessboard it's so state-of-the-art and she's like he's like i always have a game going and amanda's like wait how what the fuck and he just pushes this button and the chess piece moves, and we're, I guess we're all supposed to be like, <gasps> Whoa! He's playing the computer. It's like one of those player pianos that it just plays a song, and it looks like a ghost is playing it. <laughs> so <laughs> Amanda is thoroughly impressed. However, he makes his move, and she's got some critiques. She's like, you've exposed your rook. Now you're going to have to sacrifice your queen. Which is kind of like, uh, is that like? It's all like sexual innuendo. Because then he's like, I'm tired of playing by myself. And And then she's like, how'd you learn? And he's like, oh, no. Then he asks her, how did you learn how to play chess? And she's like, I taught myself. I'm self-taught. I was always taught to play three moves ahead. Always think three moves ahead. 
Yeah, and that's if you've played chess for like two weeks, it's not a tough thing to think three moves ahead. It's really not. Okay, Mister. I'm just Hi. saying. I played chess. I played chess since I was a little kid. I don't play chess, and I have no idea. I really don't know how to play chess. We should learn. Uh, I'll teach really you. Really doesn't sound like something. It's I'm fun. Into. We could do it. It's free. You know that's good. I, I have a chessboard, but it's not as cool as Peter's. <laughs> if it's not electronic, and if a ghost can't play it, then I'm not into it. That's kind of like like I know they were they were trying to show that as like baller, but that's kind of pathetic <laughs> now. Like you oh just, yeah, you just sit in your fucking billion dollar house and you play electronic chess with a computer. That's not even a computer. It's just like an electronic device. I agree. It's stupid. So that's shit people do on planes now, bro. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> like on the the seat monitors. Oh, okay. They play like computer. They meant like Sky Mall. They can like you can still order the electronic chess board yeah. off of Sky Mall. Maybe you could. So this is when Amanda decides to bring up Michael Mancini. She explains that she's in business with his ex-wife, Jane. And because Michael's been fired from Wilshire Memorial, he's making Jane's life hell, which in turn is affecting Amanda negatively. So she says, you know, if you could just maybe think about it, if it's at all possible that you might rehire Michael, it could make my life a lot easier. And she, did you already say this, that she's like, She's using Jane as like, I want to help her. Okay. And then he says, why do I get the feeling there's more to your desire to help Jane? And of course, Amanda's like, well, maybe there is. But, you know, Peter is infatuated with Amanda. He wants to make her happy. And he says, okay, Amanda, I'll give him another chance. And then they start making out. On a bearskin rug. That's on a leopard skin rug. What? Yeah. <laughs> no way. Double animal rugs. <laughs> Boom. That's how Peter Burns does life. <laughs> Their skin rug on a, on a leopard skin, skin rug. rug. What you got. That's when you know you've made it, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have double skins? Yo, you want to fuck on this bearskin rug? Double skins. How about this bearskin rug on a leopard skin rug? I got you. That's ballin'. And I, my note here is Amanda is basically a business prostitute. One could argue that. She, she is basically agreed to Michael. Hey, I'm going to get you your job back because Peter will do whatever I want if I fuck him. And but <laughs> and and a, I get your shares. It's a little more complicated than that. It's not like Peter's like some, she she is pulled pulled the veil off back. The street. No 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 no. She has pulled back the veil. She will use her body to advance herself um, in the business world. Mm-hmm. And that ain't cool. So next scene, we're back at Wilshire Memorial and Michael saunters into the break room where Kimberly is hanging out, just kind of saying like, (laughs) I'm back, check it out. Just trying to like gloat that somehow he got his job back. Kimberly's shocked, but don't they live together? And I'm like, (laughs) she's not in on this little secret. Yeah. Why don't they? How how did it work in the morning? Bye, babe. I'm going to work. Okay. 
Maybe she was still working a shift because they have like overnights and. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. So Michael's like, they practically beg me to come back. And Kimberly's like, why do I get the feeling that that is a complete exaggeration? And then he's just, Michael just says, look, Kim, a magician never reveals his secrets. Right. And he doesn't want to tell her because he doesn't want to reveal that he had to give away his, his shit. Right. Well, yeah. So Kimberly is like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Congrats. And now we go back to shooters. Jake and Sid are in a conversation. Sid is, thinks, thinks that quitting is the best thing for her to do. And, and she needs to talk to her probation officer about moving far away. Now, Jake is like, I think that's a terrible idea. I don't want you to leave. You're my best employee. She's worked there for how long? Couple days. And she's the best employee? Yeah. And he's like, plus, I don't want you to leave. And she's like, look, I need to just talk to my PO officer. Going far, far away is probably the best thing for me to do. Get out of Jane's way and Chris's way and just like start my life anew, which I'm like, that is probably the best solution. It seems like a good idea. Yeah. But he's like, Sydney, don't you understand I care about you? How about dinner tonight? And Sydney's like, you want to take me? On a date? date? And then she just like completely changes her tune. This shit is too like a pretty woman for me. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Only Jake is very (laughs) far from being like a millionaire business guy. All we need is that scene where she's like, I don't kiss on the mouth. Next scene, we go to Jane Mancini Designs, where Amanda is overseeing this paper signing to get Michael shares over to Jane or over to Amanda. Right. And everyone's ready to sign the papers. Michael is the last person to have to get to sign. And he's like, ah, guys, ooh, yeah, I am finding it really hard to give this up. Yeah, and he's, of course, pulling out all the dramatic stops. I really don't want to give give this away. This is very difficult for me. And Amanda's like, we had a deal, sign them, and then he's just like... That's when Michael Mancini hits her with the twist of the entire episode that really, like, floored me. I had yeah. did not see this coming. He's just like, I'm not signing. He <laughs> produces a recorder that he had in his pocket and plays back the portion about Amanda gloating to him and, like, saying that... That she owns Peter... And that whatever she wants Peter to do, she can make happen. He's in love with her and he'll do whatever she says. And then he also makes sure to play the bit about when Amanda talked about how when God was doling out business sense that Jane was in the back of the line getting her nails done. So Jane has... Jane hates Amanda. Jane's able to hear this too. And Michael says, what's going to happen now is that you are going to report to me about what is going on in the hospital. I'm keeping my shares you guys are getting nothing and he wants weekly updates weekly updates about peter so that he can improve his position at the hospital of course and amanda like Fuck. yeah and it's like yeah what is, what's he say too he's like 
don't ever try to play fucking sneaky sneaky with me. He says, you play hardball with me and I'm going to knock it out of the park every time. And he's right, man. He's so right. Dude. Never cross a man. You know, Amanda thinks that she's like, oh, I've got this crazy mind for business and I'm so smart. It's just great to see her put in her place where you're like, oh, no, you don't. None of Amanda's shit works. Remember the new super, Ted Ramsey? Turned out to be a creep. She hired him on the spot. (laughs) Remember hiring Chaz? Yeah. (laughs) That resulted in a freaking sexual harassment lawsuit. Remember uh, taking in old daddy and getting that million dollars out of the bank for him? That didn't work out too well. Daddy ended up dead. Yeah. You suck, Amanda. So Amanda and and Jane are just left there, and Amanda says, I'm sorry. And And Jane's just like, get out. Get out. Uh, (sighs) Michael's on top. I love love when Michael's on top. Me too. I love it. He's great. I love it. Thomas so, Calabro, come on the podcast, bro. <laughs> Why don't we go on over to D&D's reception to woo this new software company? Yeah, so when when Amanda was explaining what she wanted for this, I took that to mean um, a venue, not where they work. Yeah, so this reception <laughs> they, is taking place in like the bullpen area of D&D. Yeah. They just like dressed it up to look kind of snazzy, but kept like the cubicles and everything. Everybody is so impressed. They are like looking around like this is the best thing I've ever been to. The client is talking to Amanda and he's like, Amanda, you've done a very impressive job. And Amanda's like, oh, I hope you'll sign up. We really want to have you as, for. we really want your business. And the client is like, look, it's just the sliding fee schedule. You've been very elusive when it comes to this part of the deal. And that's really the only problem we have with it, if you can agree to it. And then Amanda says simply, well, if that's what it will take for you to sign on with D&D, I'm sure we can come to an agreement about your fee schedule. Great. Well, I think we can probably have the contract signed by the, the end of this party. So and Peter's listening to this. He's impressed. He's got a boner because of it. Yeah, every like really, it looks like Amanda's gonna land this big account. And like you said, Peter's overheard everything. So again, she just becomes even more attractive to him. Yeah. And then Allison is just slugging straight up vodka at this party and sees Susan and Billy like making out in the corner because Susan's like the chef of this whole thing. Right. And I found that pretty like unprofessional on Billy's behalf. Like who, what if someone sees you like kissing the fucking kitchen staff? Well, you know? Damn, that's exactly what and Allison says. Yeah. But, and it's not like, dude, one person can't make all that food. Like where's Susan's like staff and team of chefs or food runners like is it it's just her she has she has people helping her she does have she does have a staff like of caterers and like people serving the food but they've converted the the conference room into her her kitchen which does not make any sense but yeah okay so of course allison's all boozed up she's yeah she's fucked up she's like 
Another straight up hot cup place. When, like when she goes up to the bartender. If I was a bartender, I'd be like, no. Like, and again, uh, Courtney Thorne Smith is so good at playing drunk. She's so good at it. I wonder if they knew this was the storyline and they had her like audition play drunk. Dan, I do not think they had any wild imagination that ep one of season one would result in this. So Allison, after seeing them kissing in the corner, she goes over to talk to Billy. And I love drunk Allison. Me too. And she looks at Billy and she's just like, the food is awful. Right. So she's <laughs> like, hey, Billy, everything's great. Except Everything the except the food. <laughs> it's awful. And Billy's like, everyone else likes it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Billy, maybe because you're a little prejudiced. Maybe because you like Susan. Oh, Billy, I hope you're being careful with her because back in college, all the frat guys used to call her round heel Susie. What? Only took a nudge to knock her down on her back. (laughs) (laughs) Your friend after 10 years, you just call her a straight up slut in college to your ex-fiance. And um, Allison, uh, Billy just calls her out and he's like, well, you're drunk. And then she says... (laughs) And you're a self-centered pig. But at least I'll be sober in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Amanda, now she like gets wind that Allison is fucked up. And she goes over to Billy and she's like, hey, um, Billy, I've noticed Allison and I think that you should take her home. And Billy is like, look, Amanda, she's not my responsibility anymore. We're not together. And Amanda fires back, well, actually, Billy, she's your partner here at work. And if it's causing a problem and if it's going to somehow be detrimental to this event and the client, you do need to take her home. Figure it out. And if I was Billy, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'll just call my cab yeah, buddies call a cab. and throw her in a cab. And But he's pissed. He's like, God damn it. I got to take this bitch home. Now we That would s- suck, though. If you're at a work event... And then, like... Your ex is causing, like, freaking causing a scene, and then yeah. you have to be like, come home. Come on, time to go. You, she could, he could just throw her in a cab, though. You're right. Yeah. Just throw her in a cab and be like, beat it. <laughs> so this is when Bruce, like, makes a beeline for Amanda, and he's very upset. You can tell he's wearing it all over his face. He grabs Amanda and is like... Amanda, did you promise the client that we'd agree to their fee schedule? And she's like, um, she's like taken aback. She is not expecting this. And Amanda's like, um, well, yeah, if that's what it was going to take to seal the deal, I did say that. And Bruce is pissed. You've overstepped your bounds agreeing to payment contracts. You have no authority to make that decision. And you're going to, you pull something like that again, you will be out on your ass so fast. And Peter hears all of this too. Yeah. Peter's such like a business voyeur. Like he just likes watching it. And I feel like he just like goes off in the corner and like jerks off a little bit. (laughs) 
Anytime he hears about like mm, Peter business, is money making. Oh, I love oh, it. Yes. He he like I feel like he's Richie Rich's dad. Let's go home right now and play with my electronic chessboard and <laughs> fuck. <laughs> on my bear skin rug that's on a leopard skin rug. So uh, next scene. Allison rolls into where Susan is cooking, which is someone's office. Because it's, it's like, the conference yeah, room. Yeah, she's like cooking shit in the conference yeah, room. Yeah, she's got like a tabletop burner that she's like cooking. I don't, like you were saying, I don't know how she's, without a kitchen, yeah, she's like, actually preparing the food there. That does not make any sense. She's got like a portable hibachi. <laughs> and she, so she's in good spirits. She's really confident about how the event is going. She's getting good feedback about the food. But that's all going to change with Allison. Allison says the food fucking stinks. The food is too salty and the service sucks. And she's like, you've obviously turned Billy against me. Your little kissy spectacle out there could ruin his whole reputation at D&D. And then Susan's like, look, I thought we were starting fresh. And, uh, and she's like, but it looks like you can't handle me and Billy together. And it looks like you can't handle your liquor either. Oh, Susan. Oh, Susan. Under the belt, baby. Now, Allison hears this and takes her straight up shot of vodka and just douses it all over Susan's chef coat. And then Susan fires back and throws some kind of sauce like spaghetti all over, sauce. All over Allison. She retaliates with spaghetti sauce. And then they straight up brawl and in the conference like, room. That is insane. Yeah, <laughs> they're like fighting. Yeah, and I give I give Allison a pass. She's totally drunk. She's been very hurt. She threw a drink. That's one thing. But then to have someone that's doing a job like fight you, Susan is <laughs> cooking. And she literally throws tomato sauce on top of Allison and then jumps her like they start freaking fist fighting. I'm down. Uh, and this is like fireable. Like, oh, God, you're out. Both of you just leave. This is over. But no one sees. Well, Billy does. He comes in and breaks it up. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm and Allison is just basically like, I'm going to go take a cab home. Yeah. She rolls out. Now we go to Amanda and Peter, and Peter is basically talking to Amanda, and he's like, look, just don't, I heard this conversation that you were having with with Bruce, don't let it get you down, the evening was a success, and this is where Amanda, she's, she's feeling blue about something else, and she's like, I made a tactical error, and it has to do with Michael Mancini. And this is when Peter is like, let me guess. Our little friend tricked you into rehiring him, and now you're in a sticky situation. And she was like, well, yes, that's exactly what happened. And unfortunately, there's a taped conversation of me saying some not-so-great things about you that could certainly be misconstrued. Yeah. And then she's like, do you hate me because I lied to you? And then he says, I have a deep passion for liars. On the contrary. <laughs> what? what? 
Who has a deep passion for liars? <laughs> oh, Dr. Peter Burns, okay? Richie Rich's dad. I love lying and suspenders. <laughs> so he, and he's impressed. He's, he's like super impressed with D&D. And he says that Bruce sucks. And he basically wants to unleash the beast. He thinks Amanda has all this potential. And she's just being held back on a chain. And he wants to just free her. And he sees the one person standing in her way is Bruce. So they are hatching this plan to find Bruce's vulnerable spot and then go after him. And Peter is like Amanda's entrepreneurial sex fetish lover boy. They just, they get off on on business. Yeah. And, and like being shady and slimy in business. Yeah, and like advancing their status and career. They just want to like gnaw each other. Back on the bearskin, leopard skin it's rug. Fucking weird. Yeah. It's very weird, their relationship. But and you know what? And it's daddy issues too, I bet. Because mm-hmm. Amanda lost her dad and her dad was a slimy little fucking crook. And now Peter is, he's sort of replaced. That's a great point. Yeah. Thank you. It's the next day, and we're with Jeff and Matt. They're taking a walk on the beach, and no dinner? We don't get to see their dinner date? No, they don't let gay people have dates on this show, and it's pissing me off. Yeah, I, I don't know why we skipped that. They Even when they go on a date, when Matt went on the date with uh, the art dealer, they cut it short because Katya kept calling. <laughs> We didn't even see the opera. He didn't even get to this uh to the intermission. So the the two of them are walking on the beach and they're talking about their feelings for one another and Matt confides that hey, you know, I fell in love with you last year and what? that's why it hurt me so bad when I felt like you didn't want anything to do with me. And then Jeffrey's like, "Ah, Matt, there was more to leaving the navy." And then he like kneels <laughs> He does a lot of like this aloof stuff where he's like, he at first he's like, I really feel the same way about you, but I have to be honest. So we know that he's prepping Matt for some big news. He like kneels down, he, kneels. he goes over to some rocks, he looks out like thoughtfully over the ocean with his back to Matt. So Matt kneels too, and he's like, What is going on? Why are we kneeling? And Dan. I got to hand it to you, man. You called it. Called it. I was like, AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. It's got to be AIDS. So Jeff is like, <laughs> well, Matt, at my last physical, they ran some blood work and I have AIDS. How'd he get it? And he's like, I tested positive, man. I tested positive. I tested positive, man. And then, <laughs> and then Matt's like, well, you know, it could be a false positive. No, I took it twice. I definitely have AIDS and it's turning it's my like life in, upside um, down. It's like in the room where the the grandma's like, well, I definitely have brain brain cancer. (laughs) And then we, that's it. That's it. (laughs) Uh, I wrote, Michael, Matt can't catch a break. He has these like, they give him these storylines with immediate endings. And it can only end in like heartbreak. Yeah. Or like, it's just a storyline that it's just like a little bite. And you know, he never gets a long length storyline. Jeffrey's like almost crying, and he's like, I didn't know if you ever wanted to see me again. And if you don't, that's okay. And that is such, like, it really got me thinking about, like, that is such a shitty 
way to feel. Yeah. You get diagnosed with this life-threatening illness that, especially in the 90s, was so stigmatized. And people heard you had AIDS and it was like... like, get away. Yeah. They, they thought, oh, you can catch AIDS from holding somebody's hand that has it. Yeah. And, I mean, what a horrible way to feel that someone that you loved and that loved you wouldn't want anything to do with you because you had the bad luck to contract that disease. Mm-hmm. It's just like... And people, I'm sure... There were many, many, many people that felt that way and had a good reason to feel that way because of the way people reacted to the disease, especially, you know, in the 80s and 90s. So it just really made me think like, God, that had to have sucked. And we know, of course, Matt is not going to leave Jeff high and dry. He is a great person and he's going to stick by him and he lets Jeffrey know that by giving him a hug and they're crying out. They're crying together on the beach. And I think for Matt's character, I'm happy to see that he, his storyline is going to be one that's in the forefront again. Yeah. But like you said, it's just sucks because they, they're all, it's all heartbreaking and it all sucks. Mm -hmm. So now back to Melrose place, Susan is Packing her bags again, and Allison is super hungover, doing that whole like, "Oh, I don't, I don't really remember." Um, what yeah, I'm sorry, I acted that way. It's like Allison, it's, you can't come back from that. And she's like, "Maybe we'll, you know, with with you leaving, we'll like patch things up with you our know, friendship." The distance between us can help repair our friendship, and. Freaking Susan wants nothing to do with her. She's fed up. She's had it. She's packing her bags. And Allison's kind of like following her around the apartment. Like, well, at least let me take, help you take your bags out to your car. And Susan's like, no, I'm fine. Allison follows Susan out to the courtyard and Susan starts walking up the stairs. Allison says, Susan says, I don't hate you. I feel sorry for you. Yeah, she does say that. And as she's walking up the stairs, Allison's like, Susan, um, the front door's this way. Your car's parked here. And Susan's like, I know. And then we see the realization on Allison's face. Susan isn't moving out of Melrose Place. Mm -mm. She's just moving into a new apartment in Melrose Place. Mm -hmm. And that apartment belongs to Billy Campbell. Ding, 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 ding. And then, so she opens the door. Billy accepts her bags and gives her a kiss. And then immediately just like laser beam glares down at Allison. And that, like, that (laughs) feeling, you know, where you feel ganged up on by two people that you love. Yeah. It's the worst. <clears throat> Murder. It's like you're out of it. You're done. She is out, but she's not she's not out cuz she still has a bottle of vodka. Oh. And that's the end of the episode, my friends. That's it. So recapping here, Allison drinks too much and pushes Susan straight to Billy. Michael agrees to turn over his share of Mancini designs on the condition that Peter Burns hires him back. Sydney and Jake start actually dating. Matt connects with Jeffrey and learns that he has AIDS. Peter and Amanda team up to take down Bruce. 
Joe sees a lawyer to defend her against Reed's parents. In each and every Melrose Place episode, there are tiny little things that remind us of the life that was the 90s. And within the show, we write down those moments. Jenny? I saw the freezer within the fridge at Allison's apartment where she pulls out the vodka. Not necessarily a 90s thing, but definitely refrigerators dating back to like the 80s and 70s. You wouldn't have an actual freezer compartment. It was like a freezer within the fridge. Mm, Interesting. Uh, The paper bags of groceries that Allison rolls in with uh, while Jane is checking the mail. That's a 90s thing. Joe's lawyer using the phrase hang tough. Hanging tough. I think that was run on by <laughs> New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Uh, when Matt is running on the beach, there's all kinds of rollerblades. Oh, yeah. That's fucking 90s as shit. Amanda's cell phone. And why is she constantly on her cell phone while she's at work? She's dumb. Just use your work phone. <laughs> Michael's turtleneck when he comes in there to like, Beg her to try to get his job. And his tweed jacket that he's wearing over that turtleneck. Mm, yep. Uh, the electronic chessboard that is supposed to be like so baller. <laughs> like that is so not impressive anymore. The many hair scrunchies that made appearances in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney saying that she unplugged her phone to like get away. <laughs> Uh, Michael's tape recorder. Yeah. Susan's overalls. When she goes upstairs to Billy's. Good stuff. They're like red overalls, yeah. too. Yeah. That is, mm-mm. no. So, Daniel, we can always glean some advice, some lessons from these episodes. After watching this particular episode, what advice and lesson do you take away? My lesson here is a saying that uh, people would say in my fraternity, a sober man's thoughts are a drunken man's words. And yeah, that pertains mostly to Allison. She would say all kinds of shit when she was sober. But when she was drunk, she would be like, I fucking hate you, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) And don't ever date Billy. Then she'd wake up and be like, oh, yeah, it's it's totally cool. I totally support your relationship. It's totally cool. (laughs) So if if in your life someone is hammered and they're like pouring it out to you. They're speaking the truth. That's how they feel. That's how they feel for real. That's good. Mine, like yours, has to do with Allison as well. And my lesson is, don't wear white chef jackets around Allison when she's drunk. (laughs) You don't know what she's going to throw on you. Thankfully, it was vodka. But next time, it it could be pasta sauce. It could be grape juice. She's getting violent. Yeah. She lashed out at someone at work. Yeah. (laughs) Now it's time for... Bitch of the week. I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. I'm 
All right, guys. Last week, I nominated, finally, Chris Marchette. Jenny nominated Susan. And with Facebook, in our Facebook group, a close vote of 11 to 13, Susan was the bitch of the week. Yeah. And this one was decided on Twitter because another five to two for Susan. (gasps) Woo! So there you have it. Susan is the bitch of the week. And you can all rest assured, I will never, ever nominate Chris Marchetti Oh, stop. This is all of your faults. Dan, you have to agree that Susan was the overwhelming bitch. Well, let's see what our peeps had to say. Donald said that this was a very hard decision because when I watched the episode, I was like, Susan is the bitch of the week. Both of Jenny and Dan's arguments were spot on, but I have to give it to Dan this week because when Chris made love to Jane, it was creepy as hell. I mean, the way he looked at her was just so weird, but my other nomination would have to be Billy. He was acting like Keith in this episode. Oh God, if only. He was stalking Susan like Keith was stalking Allison. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't over the top like Keith was, but it kind of reminded me of that. By the way, love the line that Allison said, all roads lead to shooters. That was freaking hilarious. Gotta agree, Donald. Kevin said, 100% Susan. Yeah! After watching this episode last week, I was hoping Susan would get nominated. Chris is obviously awful, and I would have normally voted for him. But what Susan did was a true bitch move. Allison is far from perfect, but she did nothing to deserve that. Susan sucks, but her bitch move is the catalyst for weeks and weeks of drunk Allison. So I'll give her that. Okay, Dan. Richard says Dan Hill deserves to be bitch of the week for (gasps) confusing Aussie Chris with a Brit no British people are that tanned. How dare you, Richard? <laughs> Richard, keep it coming. Richard, how dare you? <laughs> Don't you call me a bitch. <laughs> Charlie says, oh my goodness, this decision is so hard. I absolutely 173% agree that Susan is like a complete and utter bitch. Agreed. Allison should have wiped the floor with her. A drunk Allison versus pseudo Betty Crocker fight would have been gold. But ultimately, Chris has to get my bitch of the week vote. He is a rapey creepazoid <laughs> with a gambling problem and a host of other unfavorable flaws. Jane needs to open her pretty blue eyes and see this loser for what he is. And I'm glad Jake beat the shit out of him. <laughs> That's the best comment. <laughs> That is the best. (laughs) Stephanie, she just says, Susan, period. Even though I do think that Allison needs to move on once and for all from Billy, you don't start dating your best friend's ex-fiance ever, especially one who is probably letting you live rent-free with her in one of the most expensive and trendy rental districts in the planet. And her French cooking accents that she puts on are annoying. I agree 100%, Stephanie, and that the accent, the French stuff that she says is freaking annoying. I hate it when people do that shit. Mm. Viv says, 
It's like Sophie's Choice for the Bitch of the Week title. <laughs> it was a tough one, but I have to give Susan the title. I'm very sensitive when it comes to breaking the girl code. I'm with you on that, Viv. She dated her best friend's ex and tried to lie about it to Allison. I wanted to pick Chris, but seeing Super Jake kick his ass was a redemption for me. Gregory says it was a tough decision, but I had to go with Susan. I hate her. Chris is a creep, but he at least is entertaining in a horrible way. Susan is boring. The worst thing is she keeps playing innocent like she's a victim in all of this. When she totally made a move on Billy and is plain and simple a backstabbing bitch. Preach. Zach, Susan kind of reminded me of Jake's dad in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> a firm no, followed by a complete 180 after about two seconds. Pick a lane, Susan. However, Chris is the real bitch of the week. He's got the wool pulled over so many people's eyes at this point, and there is nothing bitchier than people who put on an act. Right? That's what I'm saying, man. And you know, Dan, Charles also agreed with you. He says, Chris, 1,000% Chris. What is he doing to Jane and Sydney is just plain wrong. And I got a chance to vote with Daniel. Historically, it seems I've always gone with Jenny's pick. So, yay. Welcome, okay. welcome to the squad, I'll Charles. I'll give you one, Charles, but come back to the dark side. And then I wrote so close because I was watching this race closely over the week. And then Steven wrote, writes, fuck you, Susan. <laughs> Oh, my oh God. God. Then Niall says, Chris tried to rape Sydney. End of discussion. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, that's Come true. Come on, guys. How did I lose this? Zach wrote, I will be devastated if Chris skates by without ever getting a bitch of the week win. Well, here was our chance, guys. This was our shot. Well, from what it seems like, it seems like Chris is still going to be in the story he could Dude, be nominated again. We, I can't get a rapist, an attempted rapist to win bitch of the week. Well, you got, anyone, you have to plead your case better. I'm sorry. Anyone who voted for Susan, you are morally responsible. Stop! This is messed up. Okay. You're now you're hitting under the belt. Seriously. Come on people. Okay. Let's talk about this week. This week. Well, you go, you won. All Susan right, guys. Winner. My bitch of the week for this week is none other than Michael Mancini. And he is the bitch of the week in the most delicious way possible. He beats Amanda at her own game, the queen bitch. He comes in at her like, oh, Amanda, I need your help. Please, anything you can do, I'll sign away half of my business. Ooh, whatever you can do to help me. And then he turns it right around on her. And I'm giving this to Michael because I love seeing Michael's dastardly little brain work and his little schemes that he like has coming out. And it's just so fun. And again, this is more of like, uh, like one of those, um, dirty little pleasures, you know, that you're like, Oh, I love it. So I, for those reasons and more, the way that he says, you're going to play hardball with me and I'm going to knock you out of the park every time. That pretty much sums it up for me. Michael, you are a Miss Queen Bitch of the Week. Whoa. 
Tough act to follow, but my bitch of this week is Allison Parker, the booze hound. Here's why. No one likes a person who gets hammered, who gets that hammered, and then like wakes up the next day and doesn't remember anything. Everyone hates those people. Those are bitches. Um, (laughs) The big bitch move that Allison did was as, like, do you know how shitty it is to pack? Do you know how shit? <laughs> do you know how shitty it is to pack and then unpack? Yeah, that fucking sucks. Fucking Susan had to do that twice this episode because Allison, she was in the middle of packing, packing up all her shit, and Allison strolls in like, "Oh, I'm so sorry about what what happened the other night. Please stay. No, it's fine if you date my ex fiance. Just unpack." And stay here and keep cooking me breakfast. And she does. Then this bitch gets fucked up and then fights her. She fights her at work. Like this woman has just moved to Los Angeles. She doesn't have a reputation. But now she does. She's the, she's the cooker who gets beat up at work functions by this crazy alcoholic bitch who just sucks down vodka. Seriously, bitches get stitches. And Allison deserves 10 or 12 of them right now. Then, oh man, I just, she is, I'm at a loss for words at how bitchy Allison was. Like, just stop lying about your feelings. Tell her straight up, I don't like it. Dump him. And that would have been it. She was down. But then you escalated it to this work function. It's fucked up. Allison, you're a bitch. Okay, guys. Well, it's up to you. You let us know on Twitter, on Facebook, who you think the real bitches of the episode. And you know what? If there was someone else out there that you think we didn't recognize. Jeffrey. Tell us. (laughs) Dan. How could you not call that man after three months? Um, I don't know, because you were diagnosed with a life-threatening disease and you thought that everyone around you would hate you. Good enough to play hoops. I'm giving him a pass. <laughs> Good enough to shoot hoops. You are a jerk. Could have called. You're, cut this out. Pick up you the phone. You are a jerk. Okay. So, guys, let us know. Who do you think? We'd love to hear about it and read your feedback on the show. So, Dan, this episode was entitled... Mr. Jekyll saves his hide. Great name. Gotta hand it to Melrose Place. They usually just do some generic, like, love sucks. Relationships are hard. Wasn't it Dr. Jekyll? Oh, sorry, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is Mr. Jekyll? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Jekyll saves his hide. Gotta give it to them with creativity. I like it. Oh, I just got the second part of that. Hyde. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Mr. Hyde. Yeah, and yeah. like his own skin. I, like, got, I got Dr. Jekyll. Like the bear and the leopard skins. But you know the other Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Da- oh, yeah, I get yeah. it, Danny. You don't need to. Forget. I didn't get the Hyde part okay. until just now. That's very clever. I got the Jekyll yeah, part. Yeah, that's why I'm praising it. Yeah. Okay. So, with that being said, Daniel, what would you rename this episode? I'm renaming this for Daphne Zuniga. 
She had the funniest line. Um, I'm calling this one because everybody's in this one and everyone's at, at their game of like at the heightened game personality game. Like they all show their truest colors. And it really did show me that these guys were an eclectic group of singles. So I'm calling this one eclectic group of singles. Hmm. Okay. Taking out of the episode. Good mm-hmm. stuff. I'm going to call this one Too Many Cooks in the Kitchen mm. with Allison and, and so Mr. Deep. Susan. So deep. I don't know if it's as good as Dr. Jekyll saves his hide, but that's what I'm going with. All right. If you guys have uh if you guys think you can do better than us, hit us up in the group. So, uh, predictions, Dan. What do you think is going to happen? All right. Jake and Sydney are going to get super serious. They're going to get so serious and it's going to be crazy. Uh Michael and Peter I think are going to go to war. At Wilshire Memorial. They're just going to try to fuck each other over real bad. I think Jane finally figures out that Chris sucks and they're going to break up. I think Allison is on her way out of D&D. Does Joe have her baby soon? I don't know. I hope so. I think Billy and Susan are also going to break up very quickly because now... um, their whole relationship is less exciting because they don't have to deal with old booze hound downstairs. <laughs> and that's it for me. Dan, I got to say, I have a lot of similar predictions. I think Allison is going to go on a complete bender now that will probably result in her being fired. I think Jake and Sydney are making it official and they're going to be dating. Uh, I really think that the whole Reed's parents taking Joe's baby storyline is going to be heavily featured in the next few episodes. And I think as far as Matt is concerned, we're going to feature him caring for Jeffrey, which will probably result in Jeffrey's death in the next couple episodes too. Um, and then I'm wondering what is Chris's end game here? What, what's going to happen to Chris? And like you, I feel that there's going to be something that happens that reveals him to Jane. And I think that Peter is going to hire some private detective to get the dirt on Bruce. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Dan, guess what? What? We got a new review on Apple Podcasts. Hell yeah. Thanks for doing that. Dean Girl Forever 85 writes, Very fun and entertaining. I love this podcast, and I am a fan of Melrose Place. I have rewatched every season last year, and I wish I would have found this podcast sooner, but I'm so glad that I did. This show brings back a lot of 90s moments for me and when I was young when the show came on. My favorite seasons were two, three, and four. This show can be pretty crazy, but I enjoy it, especially with the guys who make me laugh each week. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. Dean Girl Forever 85, you are the coolest. And thank you so much for sharing your feedback. And that goes for all of you guys. If you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts and if you like what we're doing, do that real quick. Please leave us a review that really helps us in our visibility and getting new listeners. Yes, it does. And we got a new Patreon contributor. Woo! Eileen. Eileen, 
Come on, Eileen. Thank you so much for for hooking it up. We're gonna get you. Message us. I'm gonna get you a sticker. Yep. Get you a nice shiny get, sticker. Get you a sticker, girl. And you unlocked all our quickie episodes and video on location video. So, guys, you got to get in our Facebook group, man. There's a link to it in our show notes. Um, some cool stuff that's happened. Um, there are like Charles has been posting some cool posters, promotional posters from the show where it, it, it like there's a title and says cool like them and it'll be like an old man on a porch or cool like us and it'll be a picture of Jake or <laughs> the same the same thing where it's like Heather Locklear, Daphne Zuniga, and Josie Bissett and then some old ladies <laughs> in like bathing suits and then uh, I put up a question uh, 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 it was a picture of Wilshire Memorial and and I asked everybody which doctor of Melrose Place would you trust to perform surgery on you and Jenny you said you said Kimberly <laughs> I just love her guys you said Kimberly I like taking a gamble that I like is, living on the edge you don't know what Kimberly you're going to get I, 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 along the lines, think the right answer here is getting Katya in there. Because Katya, she knew what she was doing. She put that hospital on her back when Kimberly rolled in there on the stretcher. Uh, well. She was running the show. But, um, yeah, a lot of you had some really, really funny, funny answers in there. And Niles also posted this. Is this a record? A Jack Wagner record? I guess he did. I don't music. know what this is. And I'm sorry guys. I guess my um my fandom of uh, Jack Wagner doesn't run so deep. I know that he was on General Hospital, but I'm looking at this now and I and I think it's like a single or an LP or something. Huh. And he has the actual record, so he has a photo that he posted and um people are really and Janky's like, is this all I need? Which might be the title of his single. Mm. We need to look this up. But yeah, fun stuff like this that comes up that you can learn things that you may may not have already known. Eric posted, it's a known fact that Sydney's mutant power is the ability to show up anywhere in Wilshire Memorial Hospital at any time. And Michael wants us to know that he just feels that he needs to say that he has found that Sydney and Jane together is one of the most underrated relationships on the show. Interesting. So we're probably going to get more of that. Probably. Anywho, get in there. Yeah. Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MelrosePod. And you can go to Patreon.com slash MelrosePod and contribute to the podcast if you want to get that bonus shit, yo. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And our email, if you want to get in touch with us, is melrosepod at gmail.com. Well, guys, we love smut. And we love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.